shit, let it rip. Hey, let's go. It's time for Heartland Radio. Here we go. Welcome to Heartland Radio 2.0. Yeah. This episode that I'm very excited about is brought to you by our friends at SeatGeek. I don't know where you're getting your tickets when you go to a live event, but if you're not getting them through SeatGeek, Idiot. you are ruining your life. SeatGeek are our friends. They're your friends, too, if you just give them a chance. What they do is they search all the other ticket-buying platforms, and they find the best seat for your value. If you only get 100 bucks to spend, they will find you absolutely the best seat for that 100 bucks that's available anywhere on the internet. Use them every time. Shop with complete confidence every time you shop with SeatGeek. And right now, if you download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code HEARTLAND, you get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. What that's a deal. pretty cool. $10 off your wow. first SeatGeek purchase. Download the app, enter the promo code HEARTLAND today. $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. I'm excited about this episode because uh, we get to talk to a guy who's pretty super famous. A legend. Legend. Pretty super famous. He's a legend on stage, a legend on screen. And I didn't know what was going to happen when we talked to him. Originally, I thought, you know, a lot of people don't know this is a fairly significantly sized show. Yeah. Yeah. He's a little bit of a wild card, too. A little bit of a wild card. Our, Our audience, our fan base, is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. They're oh, yeah. a loyal ass army, and when you come on the show and you knock it out of the park and you bond with us, and they can tell that you're you're one one of our friends, just one of the guys. You now gain them as Go- a follower, Google as gobble part of one your of army. Us. Google gobble one of us. I think mm-hmm. you're going to find out that happened with this guy. Let's just get into it. <laughs> he played Danny Tanner on the ABC sitcom Full House and its Netflix sequel Fuller House. He was a host of America's Funniest Home Videos. For eight seasons, he was the narrator of How I Met Your Mother. I, I mean, I could just go on and on. I mean, oh, the yeah. Wikipedia is endless. This guy, he's super famous. He's been a part of our life forever. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Bob Saget. Yeah! All right, Bob. Woo! All right. Come on, Bob. Thank you. Especially if people are driving, put your hands together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's Bob, uh, I, I'm a fan. Thank I, you. I, I am honored. Yeah, we're honored to have you. I, I'm a fan not only, you know, I grew up watching you, obviously, but uh, I, I'm a stand-up comedian. You're, you've been a stand-up comedian for 40 years, just crushing the game, um, and it, it's to be respected. It's hard enough just to get paid to do comedy, let alone to uh, to be a, a legend for 40 years. Um, so we, we wanted to see you in Indianapolis. We just missed you. Uh, I was out of town. But I, yeah, I feel bad about that. It's I, my fault. It's all my fault. I feel terrible. It's not your fault. It's not <laughs> your fault. I sent some friends to scout because I knew I'd be out of town. I was like, hey, go see Bob Saget. Let me know what you think. And uh, they loved it. They loved it. They said it was one of the better live shows they'd seen. Yeah. I love doing stand-up. You know, and more now than ever. In the past three years, four years, whatever it's been where people are Everybody's got different points of view. Everybody's yelling at each other. I just, I just talk about my wiener, and nobody gets hurt. You know? it's just, it's, I do family comedy, but where does the family come from? My wiener. How else you get them? Um, I have to say this. But I, I do. I get a little more. Go ahead. Sorry. I just want to get this out of the way because I want people to know that you're you're hosting Nashville Squares on CMT. And uh, there's yeah. some very cool people yeah, involved with that. You want to talk wild. about that briefly before we get into podcast mode and start getting to know you a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Why, why, why get to know me anyway? This, you pretty much can just Google me. But it's, <laughs> it's a, uh, it's funny. For years, I was asked to do Hollywood Squares, and I didn't want to do it because it was very scripted. And Tom Bergeron, my friend, ended up doing it. And then they asked me to be on it. And I, I just didn't want to because you like you wait seven minutes till you say something funny. But this thing is basically Nashville Squares is on CMT. It's one of their main originals. Uh, I think it's the third or fourth original show that they have. And it's got the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders on it, all stars. But that's not why I'm doing it because they're smart. They put them in a bus and get them away from the crew right after it's done shooting. But, but. It's got like a lot of my friends on it, and it's basically uh, a drunk Hollywood Squares. Um, 
and everybody's, you know, not drunk. Half people don't drink. They've been to rehab. They're smart. Uh, and then it's got, it's got my buddies. It's got Bill Ingvall. It's got people I've known a long time. Gary Busey's up there. He doesn't have to drink in order to be Gary Busey. No, um, right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, I mean, you know, really amazing people. Tanya Tucker is on it this week. Um, she's been on it a lot. And, uh, you know, Marie Osmond, but like people that I love a lot, like Fortune Feimster and, and Carolyn Ray and Adam Richmond and, and Dusty Slade, Jimmy Allen, just a ton of country people that I feel like I know anyway, you know, I, and, I, and I met a lot of them. And then people that are just like, you know, Ty Pennington, who's just, you know, good looking and does home repair. So yeah. how can you dislike him? But it, the whole point is to have fun and, and they bring out weird critters and a lot of the people are uh, scared. Uh, and then there's all kinds of jerky. I mean, it's like, it's a country it's it's almost it's not hee-haw. I mean, that was a comedy laugh-in. The, the millennials won't know that, but laugh-in was a show that was, you know, it was like bit after bit, and right. all the stars of the time were on it. And then hee-haw was the country version. So this is the country version of Hollywood Squares, and it's really fun. We just did a ton of them, and they're running them two a night on Fridays, 8 o'clock, 7 Central, where you are, right? Right. And, um, are you friends with Caroline Ray? Then there's Phoenix. Yeah, I've known Carolyn a long time. I've uh, known her many, many years. I, I've been Bill Ingvall used to open for me in Dallas, and then he would do like fifty minutes, and I couldn't follow him. And I go, "Why'd you do that?" He says, "Because I can." And here we are, and I'm going, "Bill, Bill Ingvall, the block," you know. Uh, <laughs> I love Carolyn Ray. She's, she's I think, great. she's the she's sweetest great. girl in the world. She's like, oh, I, I'm a nobody, and one time she let me stay in her place in New York. So I was going there for a comedy festival, and I just met her, you know, just through Indiana. I kind of know her baby daddy. We're friends, but. uh she was. She's like, yeah, yeah. You ever come to New York? Let me know. You can stay there. Called her out on it. No way. She that ever returned. So cool. She, <laughs> yeah. I think she liked you though. More is just that's more than a friend move. I think. Yeah. I don't know. No, no. She Ooh. was out of town. <laughs> she was out of town. Place was empty. Door guy had a key for me. Are everything. you sure she wasn't like in a closet? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nick has a question for you. Bob, you mentioned you were friends with Tom Bergeron. Please. I found that interesting because I thought there might have been a little beef there from the America's Funniest Home Videos days. Was that like a seamless transition to Tom? You just handed that gig over to him, or how did that how did that work? No, I'm I'm like a a, a man who would uh, if I wanted to be anything but a man, I would have a seamless transition. And so I uh, I love dead air. I love dead air on 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 radio and podcasts. It makes me happy when. Dead air for the people listening is when no one talks um, because of something I said. But Tom and I were friends. Tom and I were friends a long time, and my my eight years at the video show were were just fine and dandy. I was happy to move on. I started directing a bunch of movies, TV movies, and then I went on to do some other series. And Tom went on to do more game show type stuff. And then, you know, we've been, December 8th on ABC is a special about uh, 30 years of AFV, which it was really AFHV when I hosted it, because they took out the H, because a lot of people lost their homes, I guess, around the time. <laughs> but, um, that's, that, that's important. Poor taste. That's a very poor taste. <laughs> but, but, true. But, uh, but Tom... Tom and Alfonso and I are on this special December 8th on ABC. And then I've got my new video show coming on in the new year, Videos After Dark, which will be on, they say, the winter spring, which sounds like Game of Thrones, but that's <laughs> it's 30 videos. It's, um, oh, let's go. It's, nice. And like at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, it's naked people with scrambled signals so you can't see their parts. <laughs> and, uh, but, Nashville, but Nashville Squares is, in a way, um, more fun because uh, it's really just a free-for-all. I mean, I don't know what's going on, and that's what they like about it, that I literally don't know what's going on. And But I know all the music because I've always... I even sang a song on the show 
called Corn's My Meat. So, because uh, that's a vegan song. So oh, Corn's yeah, My yeah, Meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I, I watched some it clips. It doesn't sound right. It sounds like something's nasty, but go ahead. <laughs> I watched some clips. It's, it's going to be a cool show. It's, it's very very funny. You got a lot of funny people on it. I want to Let's get us some shit, if you don't mind, that we can't Google on you. Um, let's say, you yeah. know, you and I have never met. It's going to be hard for people to believe, but you and I have never met. Uh, if let's say the even though know. I invited even though I invited you to stay at my place, <laughs> <laughs> let's say I go out to LA or wherever it is you live, and uh, you are put in charge of showing me a good time for a night. What what's Bob Saget into? What, when you go out to have fun with your boys with your buddies, what are you doing? Are you a drinker? Are you a foodie? What what are we gonna do? I used to be uh, more of a drinker. I'm married now for about a year, okay. and uh, and we've been together four years. Not you and me, but my wife yeah. and I. <laughs> so uh, a lot of my past activities, like uh, how I was on Entourage, yeah. those those kind of have quieted down. Uh, but there are times we'll get together and we'll go to a place that has food and drink. So there's no uh, there's no dilemma, and and I'm not a cheater because I've been there. Yeah. And uh, that's not fun. So <laughs> I decided to ixnay on the cheat day, and uh, <laughs> and so you know, and I'm in, I'm in love. But a year in Hollywood, that's like forty years in Omaha. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I would take it. I would take it somewhere nice. I would take it to some of the places. You know, you'd probably end up at a like a showbiz place in L.A. that. You end up seeing everybody knows each other, so it's like you're on a cruise ship with a bunch of people that had work done on their faces. <laughs> Except me, I just let it. I let it hang. I just let it all hang. I don't care. Just let it hang. So, but I would I would show you a good time. That's for sure. And we bring Caroline Ray, and you could tell her what you wore from her closet. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what, if, what if she came home and you had all of her stuff on? That would be <laughs> oh, shit. I actually um, texted my buddy from in there and I said, um, her baby daddy, and I was like, hey, buddy, um, I hope you're not mad at me, but I'm staying at Caroline's place while I'm here for the festival. And he was like, uh, where are you sleeping? And I said, she's not here. I'm on the couch, though. She said I could stay in your daughter's room. But I thought it was creepy. It's all Disney'd out. I'm sleeping on the couch. He goes, "What color's that fucking couch?" And I was like, "Red." And he goes, "That's my fucking couch." <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, he was a little pissed at me for a minute. What did you do? What did you do? Just put a blanket on the kitchen uh, center island? <laughs> <laughs> I was so afraid to mess anything really? in that house. I lived like it was like uh, I don't know, like on my own little island there. I took. Extra sheets. I even bought sheets at a store that I could leave with, put all over that couch. I was like, I just, I just can't imagine if Carolyn Ray comes home from her, what is she, summers, and then finds like a, a pube or something on the couch, <laughs> and then I'm this story forever of this wretched house guest that she allowed in her house. Not going to let it happen. Do you, do you golf or anything? No, you got to take your pubes with you. Yeah, I do. It's like a crime well, I, scene. I will say this. Is that... Uh, I will offer up this. I'm sorry, the connection gets weird when we echo. I apologize for that. But I, I would suggest double stick tape, and then you can you could do it without a sheet and just go and just go over that whole couch real good and get all those pubes on that double stick tape. Boy, and that, then I think you you know there's no danger then. That's sage wisdom yeah, right there. That is real. experience. That's some weird weird wisdom. Sage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you could also leave the, the the big ball of double stick tape covered in pubes right on our kitchen counter and say, thanks a lot, I cleaned up my pubes. Just leave a message. That's what you let for having an idiot from Indianapolis stay at your house. Time to get up. <laughs> Roman's here to help you do that. Every guy wants to last longer in bed, but counting backwards from 100 or singing Mary Had a Little Lamb doesn't always work. Never. Nope. The folks at Roman, an online men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes. Oh, yeah, change the game. The secret to longer, better sex. Ooh, sex, sex, sex. Love it. Roman Swipes are convenient, 
Over-the-counter wipes clinically proven to help you last longer, and the packaging is small enough to fit in your back pocket. Mm. No small packages mm. here. They're effective, doctor-approved, easy to use, and fast-acting. No, no weird voice. Fast. <laughs> Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, swipes are the real deal. Studies it's have shown true. up to a 340% increase in stamina after three months of regular use. Wow. 340%. That's a lot of percent. That is a lot of percent. Mm. So, almost a full minute. Seriously? <laughs> almost. <laughs> Roman swipes will ship you ship to you in discreet, unmarked packaging, and each swipes packet is small enough to hide in your wallet. What makes swipes better than all those creams and foams out there is the desensitizing effect will not transfer to your partner or numb you. Oh, that's important. It's very important. And they're super easy to use. Just take the swipes out of the packet, wipe it on your most sensitive areas, and wait a few minutes. That's it. It's a quick way to take your time. Keep Roman swipes in your back pocket for longer, better sex, and get yours fast oh, with free yeah. two-day shipping by visiting GetRoman.com slash Indie. That's GetRoman.com slash I-N-D-Y. Hey, do you golf or anything? You got hobbies? Like, yeah, what, right. what are you into? Yeah. I like to golf. I haven't golfed in a while. Most of my spare time has been working on other projects. I'm like busier than I've been in a long time. So I really do need, like, I'm really, this, this uh, holiday time, Thanksgiving, I can't wait. I'm going to Chicago with my wife and two of my daughters are meeting me there. At least they say they're my daughters. <laughs> and we're just going to have some, <laughs> some family time at my new in-laws house and I'm bringing double stick tape because it's going to be pubes everywhere. <laughs> and, um, but I, I like, I like golf and I do. Do you? Uh, yeah, I enjoy it. I'm not great at it. I go out here and hack around with these guys. Some, um, you know, I, I, the important thing to me in any sport is I just don't look stupid doing it. That's the only thing I worry about. Like I don't, I don't shoot very well at basketball, but I have form. You know, that's all that matters to me. I had to do a TV movie once where I played basketball, and every time I went to make a layup, I would kick myself in my ass with my own heels of my feet. <laughs> so they had to shoot me above the above the waist because it looked like I was doing a ballerina move. It was so embarrassing. It was it was one of the worst things that ever happened to me. And I, I just, you're right. You can't look bad in front of people, which means, I just go to people's homes and bubble wrap. I can't do nothing, you know. <laughs> I like working out. I like I like lifting, you know. I like holding my wife over my head. Yeah. And um I like to shake her up. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to comment like you looked really jacked right now. You're always a thin guy when you were younger and you're one of these guys like later in life that's kind of bulked up. So are you living in the gym? Well, I didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I sometimes it's it's just I, I have uh, lifted, and then once you do it, you can just do cardio to get rid of it. But then it's hard to get rid of it, so it's just really about cardio at this point. Because I I like lifting, and then you know you have a penance to pay sometimes. Because then people go, "Wow, you look different." And, and yeah, but I mean, a lot of guys do. It's weird. I was standing next to Brad Garrett. We did an episode at the Tell the Truth the other day, and and he's kind of the same thing. There's different ways you go when you get older. You either get large and round, or you just kind of you just keep doing it, and muscle memory does what it does. I wish it did it everywhere. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to balance a barbell on your wiener. You got to use fishing line. <laughs> more sage wisdom. Hey, more sage wisdom. I'm always interested in this. I know you. I know you don't have a lot of time left. You, you got other stuff to do, but like, no, I'm good. I got. I got nothing to do. Really? I, 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 don't don't make Steve. I got. I got nobody. You guys are all I got. Oh, let's go. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Come let's on. go, Bob. Hey, so I always like to ask people that are in the industry, even doing TV and stuff for a long time. Like, what kind of TV and, and movies do you consume? Like, what what do you like to go to when you're at home in bed? You're going to watch something before you pass out. I get into different series, and there's some I like. Ray Donovan just came back. Oh. I enjoyed that because it reminds me of my, my upbringing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I I mean, there's a lot of shows I like. I mean, I was watching Mrs. Maisel, and I was watching uh, uh, what's that one? I keep calling it a Barfly, but it's not. It's has nothing to do with it. Uh, it's the British show. Very funny. Pinky, Pinky um, Blinders? Yeah. No, no. Oh, it doesn't matter. But, <laughs> yeah, it don't matter. But but a lot of a lot of the you know, there's so many places to find great TV right now. It's crazy. I mean. Two years ago, you know, Amazon and all, all these, I mean, the, the network popped. There's going to be something called Flamba, you know, and it'll be, it'll have the number one show, you know, <laughs> I mean, Hulu is running uh, a movie I made called Benjamin and there's outlets for things that were not there before. And Apple TV, I'm watching this thing, this, this new uh, morning show, because it makes you feel good about all the terrible things that have happened. <laughs> everything, <laughs> everything just reminds you, you know, it's all like reminding you of how terrible everything has been and how, um, I don't know. I, I try to get my mind off of stuff and, and try to get it to stop thinking about all the corruption and all the people that have made terrible mistakes and yeah. done bad stuff. I guess that's why Fuller House got five seasons, you know, which is a lot for Netflix. It is. Because it, it really doesn't make you think about anything. And it's good sometimes. I mean, to, to be the show that lets people escape, to be kind of their mental vacation, it's, I mean, I think that is a key to longevity. And, you, man, you, what, what kind of life, like, I don't know what, you, what your plan B was. I know you started stand-up very young, but it, did you have a, like, if this... I have never given, never willfully given plan B to anybody. That's your <laughs> <sure. laughs> Good to know. You're not crushing it up in and salt just, shakers. Just because you mix it in, if you mix it in someone's ice cream, that's not a felony. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever have a second career choice other than entertainment? Or, or did you always just start making money right away? Yeah. And I, about I know. I worked for 10 years trying to get a job. I mean, I started, I went to film school. I was going to be just only a filmmaker, and um, I won the Student Academy Award, and then I came to L.A., started working at the Comedy Store, and for 10 years, I tried to get a job. I would do TV show warm-ups like Bosom Buddies, Tom Hanks, and Peter Scolari, their oh, yeah. show, yeah. and then I would just, I finally got a Richard Pryor movie, and then finally I got some CBS morning show and got fired because <laughs> I was too hot for morning TV, and then I got full full house, and so... It took me 10 years to get a job, and then and then after I started doing more and more of my stand-up, I think it took me, more people were like, that's his stand-up? But why isn't he Danny Tanner? Why isn't he dust-busting and hugging and cleaning? And I'm like, because that's not a show. Uh, if you go to pay a ticket to go see a comedian. So, um, I, it just took a long time, and then you can't get good without it taking a long time. Otherwise... You just act all cocky like I did when I had two shows in the top ten. You don't want to be like that. Oh yeah, I do. But um, <laughs> but it, I, I know you do. It's good. <laughs> it's nice when you can feed feed your family and buy a whole bunch of alcohol. <laughs> Bob, you mentioned doing stand up while you were gained a lot of popularity as the clean cut Danny Tanner. What was that like with the audience's reactions? Was it was it different every time, or was it always like, "Oh my God, this is not what I signed up for"? And did you enjoy that? Well, most of the people had seen me somehow on something because I'd been on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson a lot. I'd been on a show called The Merv Griffin Show. So I had a small following of stand-up people regardless of whatever other career I had. And what I didn't like is that they would put in the ad, you know, all ages. Because oh, <laughs> that's not good. Because, no. you know, it's really, I'm, a, I'm like a soft R. I'm like, a, you know, if you're 17, you're fine with me. I'm like South Park. I'm not, <laughs> as, I did one special that was bluish. Uh, more than others, and I dropped a lot of F-bombs, and so if you'd have made a drinking game, you'd have been drunk bad on that one, <laughs> out of uh, F-bombs. But And that was an HBO special called That Ain't Right, and some people were disappointed because it, it was a little more crass, but my audience was college kids, so that's how it was back then. And that was a while ago. College people now don't 
want that. And I understand that. I'm not even like that. I don't know what I'm like. I'm, I just want to be funny as hell as I can and not offend anybody, which is really hard. Yeah. So you go back and forth of how, how do you tee it up? How do you do it where you can make everybody laugh and yet still be satisfied and feel like you're being funny and true to yourself? So it, it's, um, it did surprise people. Once in a while, I was in Vancouver once when, when, I, when I was doing stand-up and Full House had just come on the air. And an elderly lady walked out and I said, have I offended you? And she like threw her hand at me like, like some grandmother gets mad at you and just goes, I've had enough of you. And, and she walked out and then I made fun of her for the next hour. So that was great. That's great. Stuck up Canadian. <laughs> Bob, uh, you wrote a book called Dirty Daddy. Uh, can you talk about what that's all about and kind of how yeah. you put that together? Yeah. I, I would retitle it right now because uh, it's, you know, it really deals with comedy and death because I, I lost two sisters. Right. I had a, we had a rough childhood, um, a lot of difficult stuff, but my dad always had a sick sense of humor and that's how we got through a lot of stuff was his weird humor. He was just nuts. And, and when you lose brothers and children, there's nothing worse uh, on this earth. And so it's a lot of that in the book. And then there's free association where I just go off like I do in my standup. Um, there was a whole, uh, when the book first came out, John Oliver interviewed me in New York at the 92nd Street Y, and it was really a fun event. And he was so tickled by the book because kind of we have a similar way of automatically, when, when in doubt, go to little creatures, talk about gerbils or, or raccoons or whatever. But varmints are always part of our, our vernacular. If you're saying something that's borderline offensive, just throw a hamster in. Nobody gets hurt, you know? And um, <laughs> there was a chapter where I was talking about, you know, worrying about mortality because I'd lost so many people and then worried about that I would be, like, draining and spotting as I got older. <laughs> as I got older, I would have a problem with my liquids in my body that I couldn't control them <laughs> and uh, that they would be on the steps and then I would slip on them and I would fall down the stairs and die. <laughs> on my own fluids and he thought it was so funny he read the whole three pages on it out loud to a thousand people because he, he said he who else in the world on this planet would talk about fluids coming out of their body and then tripping on them um so <laughs> so we we become good friends forever uh he, he's a very funny man but but the point of the book was a both a combination of entertainment and and irreverence and yet trying to make a point about how hard it is and the people that influenced me in my life like Richard Cryer and Don Rickles and Rodney Dangerfield the people that helped my career and that I grew up getting to know and were like role models or fathers to me and so it was a it was a little bit memoir and a little bit philosophy and just how I coped, and so I'm I'm proud of it. it and, and it uh, it came out on every form. I came out on one show uh, and said that it came out on you know audio uh, books and uh, paperback, and also on suppositories. The book <laughs> came out in suppository form. <laughs> are you are you look are you so you could read it. Go ahead. Are you somebody? I apologize for this delay. I'm sure this is on our end uh, in, the, in the phone connection. But are you a person now? Like you had these mentors that uh, helped you out that you mentioned, um, all legends. Um, are you someone who gets a, asked a lot for advice now from people in comedy and the acting industry? Like, do you do you mentor a lot? Do you put yourself in that position? Yeah. I, I still get mentored um, by great people myself, like Norman Lear. He's 97 years old, and it's like talking to Obi-Wan Kenobi. I yeah. mean, it's not about show business. It's about, you know, humanity. He's yeah. just an amazing human. And and I'm friends with several other people. I'm directing a documentary about Martin Mull, who I've always loved. And, you know, there's just some amazing people that 
are alive and well and are to be appreciated, not set by the wayside because they are legends. And whenever I get a chance um, and anybody asks me opinions, especially young comedians or say I'm around at a comedy club in New York, it would be like the comedy cellar in L.A. It would be the comedy store or the improv. And people ask me questions. I give them the answers that were given to me by people, and they're damn good answers. Like Rodney Dangerfield, he would his advice to young comedians, and he always loved young comedians more more than the older ones because he felt like he fit in, you know. Right. And he would go like a tank, man. You just go like a tank. Everybody <laughs> tries to stop. You just go like a tank. So it's I guess I was like a tank. I don't know, <laughs> but you know, it's just you just put you don't. You don't make your goal to be a star because if your goal is to be a star, people can feel that. And that's not entertaining them. That's all about you. But if you can combine them and want to entertain them really bad and still want to be a star, for example, Kevin Hart, you can't be much bigger than Kevin in comedy. Right. And, you know, he's a mixture. He's a guy that wants to be the biggest star, but he also there's something adorable about him because he also wants to bring joy to people. So that's, that's an odd, that's an unusual case. A lot of people, especially young people that just are arrogant, that's no fun because that's not funny. Right. But if they're honest about it, then it's cool. I mean, whatever, whenever you cop to the truth of who you are, I don't care if you're cocky or not, or not. it doesn't matter as long as you're funny and coming up with stuff that's maybe a different way to look at things, you know? Yeah. Yeehaw! Giddy up, because if you haven't heard about Roan, you're really missing out. Oh. Yep. Roan is a men's performance lifestyle and premium activewear brand that is engineered for unparalleled quality and comfort. They're an absolute necessity for guys on the go. It doesn't matter if you're training in the gym or jumping on international flights. They are your new go-to men's clothing brand. Yeah! My favorite part about them, quality, hell yeah. The comfort, you bet. The durability, of course. The style, absolutely. Oh, they're nicer than a jackrabbit shoved up a, a whiskle. <laughs> Slap my ass and call me <laughs> Sally, you're right. You are some crazy little cacti we got here. And now Roan has just released their amazing new commuter collection. Perfect for looking good and staying comfortable at the office. What do we like best about the commuter collection? It's a superhero version of your everyday workwear. It is. Oh, they got everything from pants, dress shirts, polos, vests. Roan is obsessive about clothing that is lightweight, comfortable, and wrinkle-free. The commuter collection is made to make Mondays feel like Fridays with its carefree maintenance, total comfort, and effortless style. Go to roan.com slash USA today and use promo code USA to get 20% off your first purchase. <laughs> That's R-H-O-N-E. Dot com slash USA promo code USA for 20% off Roan.com slash USA promo code USA <laughs> looks sharper than a fishing hook. Bob, you had one of the best uh, movie cameos of all time in Half Baked. And, and I sincerely mean that. I think it's considered yeah. one of the best cameos of all time. Was that something when you shot that you knew right away that that was going to be just such a good scene and stand the test yeah. of time? Or was it kind of something you just did, oh, this will be fun? Well, I was directing the movie Dirty Work with Norm MacDonald and Artie Lang and Chris Farley, uh, rest in peace, and in Toronto, and at the same time, Dave Chappelle and Harlan Williams and Jim Brewer, a lot of my friends, and Neil Brennan wrote Half Baked, and I, I, they were shooting it at the same time. And they said, would you like to play this part in the movie? And I said, sure, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't think about anything. I just thought, this, this seems funny. It's really the wrong thing to say. <laughs> um, I've been an actor for years, not just Danny Tanner. You know, people think you do one part, and right. that's, that's it. I've played a priest three times. I have no idea why, <laughs> uh, but only one of them was only one of them was gross. But the other two were good men. But um, but yeah, I did, did the average. part, and then that's what people yell at me in airports. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, it became something. And Norm and I are talking about doing a sequel to Dirty Work. We're uh, oh. after MGM right now to get to put the band together. And it's a misfit band for sure. And to get every comedian that exists, that would be a huge amount of fun. So we're working on that now. Wow. How incredible was that cast to work with, Bob, on Dirty Work? Oh, it was unbelievable. I mean, it had, I mean, Chris Farley, it was the last movie he ever made. And his loss is, is huge. I mean, a talent like that, someone that funny and that sweet. And of course, that troubled, unfortunately, doesn't come along. It just doesn't happen very much. And it also had, I mean, Don Rickles was in it, Jack Warden. Um, I'm glad Artie's doing okay now. Um, it had Chris McDonald, it had uh, Adam Sandler did a cameo, Chevy Chase. Uh, it was it was a lot of people, and we really we really had a good time. But it was it was hard because to do comedy right, it's just got to be perfect, you know. It's just got to be to make a funny movie, and it didn't perform well because it was the weekend that Michael Jordan played his last two games with the Bulls. And MGM wrote on the poster, coming soon, which means no one knew when it was coming. <laughs> and so, it was quite weird. But, uh, but we also know that it's a cult favorite now, and uh, we want to do, do something really funny, because Norm MacDonald's one of the funniest people alive on the planet. So, Speak, Speaking of Norm MacDonald, how... I mean, were you just pissing your pants, laughing so hard at your roast when he came up there and just bombed his tits off on purpose? I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Like, the balls on that guy. No, he is he's one of the bravest guys. I mean, you got to follow him on Instagram. If you haven't, you have to, because half of it is dedicated, sponsored by his bookie. <laughs> 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 and all he talks about is you know, how Tiger's playing and follows teams and then tells you who to bet on. And it's just, and he's not kidding. And, and yet he's also so sly. His Netflix special was incredibly great. Um, and so what he did on the roast was he called me up and we, we've been friends a long time. I hosted SNL when he was there right. and uh, we did uh, obviously dirty work. I'm also the first comedian he ever saw in his life. In Ottawa, Canada, I was 21 and he was 17. Although I think he's older than me, but he, he'll never tell the truth. <laughs> but um, what what happened was he um, it, it's it's really interesting. He goes calls me. He goes, "Sag, and I can't make fun of you. You're my friend." I said, "Norm, you, you have to. It's a rose." He said, "Well, I'm just going to do jokes from a '40s joke book." <laughs> I went, "Well, Norm, it's probably not going to get laughs." He goes, "I don't know. I can't make fun of my friends." I said, "Well, you, you have to curse sometimes." He goes, "I I don't want to do that." I said, "Please remember when you're up there and it starts to go south, just curse for no reason. That's what people laugh at." And then he's on stage. He's supposed to do like eight minutes. He does like. I believe like 17, something crazy <laughs> that they cut down to like eight minutes. And then he starts doing his jokes. I'm saying you got a face like a flower, a cauliflower. <laughs> and then no response. I mean, no response. And then he goes, I'm saying you got a effing dog face. And the fact that he cursed uh -huh. is what got the laugh. And then I'm sitting in the chair like he, you know, urging him on, please curse, curse as much as you can. <laughs> and then he started cursing a little bit more, but then he got all sentimental because we're actually friends. <laughs> but the fact that it was the real um, unsweetened, which means no laughs, no uh -huh. mixing, no nothing, it got really quiet. And that I found to be the funniest thing in the world because he's so, he's so damn funny. He's, he's just, but he does it purposely. It's like he dives into a pool with no water and doesn't care. I, 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 love, I, just, I just love him. guys that do that and girls that do that. It's just it's a whole nother level of being unafraid and then also being confident in yourself. Like when he when he got done, I mean I was dying laughing watching it. And I know like you have to just really be a huge norm fan 
to not have been on that panel and know what's going on, but I got it and I was dying. And when he got off and Jim Norton went up and said, uh, watching Norm Macdonald on this roast is like watching Henry Fonda pick blueberries. And then <laughs> it, it didn't get a yeah. very big laugh. And then Norm comes behind it and goes, I think I speak for a lot of people. Uh, I like to watch Henry Fonda pick blueberries. And it gets a huge <laughs> laugh. And I'm like, that's just, he's Yoda. He's Yoda. No, you're right. You're right. And then he sat there the rest of the time holding the sports section. <laughs> he was reading the sports section every time everybody else was up at the dais. He's like, they're giving their speech, and he's just not even looking. He looks up a couple times. <laughs> what? He's, uh, I've got so many Norm McDonald stories. I hope we get to do this movie, because when we talk to each uh. other... People really enjoy listening to us because we we yell at each other, and he he'll catch me in something that he claims I said that I didn't say, <laughs> and then I have to defend it, and then he's just laughing that I'm defending something that he knows I'm innocent. He just he just starts shit. He's really great. Well, if you do it, do some <laughs> bonus footage of behind the sh- scenes shit of that going on. The pina colada fight scene in Dirty Work is one of the greatest scenes of all time. Oh. Yeah, and that song was not used a lot until after that movie. And the reason I used it was I used to open for Rupert Holmes, who sang the Pina Colada song. So when I was 23 years old, I got a gig in Florida at the Diplomat Hotel. And every night I heard live, if you like Pina Colada. (laughs) And then he had his other hit, which was called Him. The flip side was Him, and the song was... Him, him, him. What you gonna do about him? <laughs> you gonna have to do without him. It was just, it was an amazing piece of music. It was, and it was every night. And he was very nice. And he's a, he's a big, um, a big Broadway guy too. He did a big couple big Broadway plays. But you know that song when Chris Farley hits the jukebox in Dirty Work, Jeez, and that Sambo. song plays, and that's the bar fight. <laughs> What, yeah, what keep, I, Farley is deeply missed. What keeps you going? I mean, I assume money's not an issue. You 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 attached a couple things that were bigger than anything else in show business for a very long time. I assume I'm assuming uh, that it's still going. Full House is still going somewhere. I mean, I know those shows have another life in other countries. Well, after Full the- House Full House was bought by Hulu, so it runs on Hulu. And Fuller House has now, it'll have five years that'll run for a long time on Netflix. Um, Basically, whenever I've had any money issues, I would sell my sperm. (laughs) Um, and, And when I couldn't sell it, I would just give it away in the park. I would just go up to people and I think that probably not politically correct but it kept me afloat um, <laughs> so beyond that no i'm always working i've got a big tour i'm doing a, 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 i'm gonna be doing stand-up for a solid year till i get my new special i'm about halfway to having the material nice. and my last special that i did two years ago called zero to 60 finally went worldwide because it wasn't a netflix special and they've got the worldwide market, yeah. but now it's on Apple TV and Amazon Prime and literally every other service uh, except Netflix. So you'll be able to see it pretty much everywhere. And it just came out that way, which uh, so that in about a year, I'll have a new. I'm like a guy that does a special if I'm lucky every three years. Some of these guys that are so brilliant, like Jim Gaffigan and, and look at Chappelle and the, the, the it's just. They're so prolific and able to, and Bill Burr, oh my God, yeah. you know, it's just like, oh, which special am I going to watch? You know, <laughs> Bill, so don't watch the last one, watch the last one before that. I mean, that was like six months before it. How did you do that, you <laughs> bastard? And, and they're just, they're just great. I just, I just love, I love comedians that, for the reason you love them, they have, you know, they have something to say now more than ever. Some of them are saying stuff about what's going on in the world. Some are not. Mm-hmm. I just, it's just amazing that we have that freedom of speech and that, you know, that's another thing I do like to do is watch, you know, some of my favorite comedians on, on, uh, on stuff. But I like to see them, you know, live too and hang out with them when I can. 
which is kind of infrequent because everybody's on tour at the same time somewhere. So. Yeah, no, I can agree more. I just as long as you're funny, I don't care how you do it. I love all the political comedians. I love prop comedians. I don't, I don't get really give a shit. As long as you're good at what you do and uh, you pop the crowd, then good on yeah. you, and I'll watch it. But so, as you, long as you're funny, as long as you're not just coming out to roll your eyes and make fun of people, but you're, right. you're funny. You some people are on TV or have a special, and I'm like, holy crap, I'm not laughing. Yeah. And the reason is they're just not funny. They're right. just saying stuff and they have the guts to be a public speaker. But then some people, like, you know, you watch John Oliver and there's no way you're not going to laugh. I mean, I guess some people might not like him, but I don't know how. Right. You know, or, you know, Bill Burr is like, it's it's amazing what he does. And I, you know, it, there, there are so many good people doing this, you know, that are, from all different walks of life. I mean, the podcast has turned so many people into huge stand-up draws. Like Joe Rogan wasn't the stand-up draw that he was in his podcast. Took him to a new place, you know. Yeah, it's uh, it's all admirable as long as your intentions are not to destroy humanity. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> you super villain doing stand-up. You know. Yeah. Do you ever find yourself watching a stand-up comedian live? And to me, this is like the biggest compliment i could ever give a comedian that i've watched live is you find yourself watching it and you're not laughing but you're not laughing because it's not funny you just are in, in awe like this happened to me watching gary goldman one time i was not laughing and it was only because i was like this is like i'm watching a, a master at his work i'm just admiring his craftsmanship and con joke construction the way he delivers it the way he wraps it all together it was so good that I wasn't laughing. And that's it's weird to say. But 100%, 100%. Well, no, God, no. I mean, Gary Goldman went through, has been through hell. Yeah. And I'm sure still does have hell in his life. Uh, but he, his thing was enlightened. You know, it was more than a stand-up. His, his Netflix thing was more than a stand-up special. Or was it HBO? HBO, I, I yeah. remember. It yeah. doesn't matter. I'm just glad it came out because it's beautiful. And I knew him a long time. And I used to think, believe it or not, that he had something. He had a beef with me or something because he would stare at me and stare at me. And I'd go, I feel bad. What is it? Is he jealous of me or my bad guy? Did I hurt him? And I would try to talk to him. And, he would, and then I realized, holy crap, look what was going on in his mind. Yeah. And then he shares it with you, and then you realize how many people have that problem. I had a sister that had that problem uh, who, who didn't survive, and we lost her at 34. And I'm just so happy for him and so proud of what he's accomplished and so amazing to be brave enough to come out and say, here's my... So it's, it's funny, and it's also a damn TED Talk, you know? It's, it's inspiring. And, and that is true of a lot of people when they make their first special and you go wow they're really they're coming out you know however that is whatever that means they're they're being who they are and they're telling you and then there's people that are like oh god i can't wait to see how this person is going to approach this subject you know yeah and and i think comedians are a gift you know and the people that are if i'm laughing sometimes i'll like dave chappelle's last special the sticks and stones i mean it 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 blew me away, and I know there were some people that maybe didn't feel that way. Well, I don't agree with them because right. I thought it was brave, and I and there wasn't as much. I I didn't always laugh as much as, holy crap, he just said that, and I agree with that, yeah. and and or or that's an interesting viewpoint. But then there's people that are there aren't that many people that are just silly. You know, we don't have like a, a lot of Steve Martin types, you know, when you think about what he did when he came up, it was all just, just make you laugh, you know? So I guess I do a little bit of a combo of trying to make some statements in the stuff I've been working on uh -huh. and then trying to just entertain with actual stories that end in jokes, which most comedians do. Right. And then I've got a lot of music, music, comedy, comedy songs that I do that I'm proud of. So, I mean, it's like, 
I guess I'm a little more variety than than a bunch of other people, but and I've always been like that. That's just been my my blueprint. That's how but my friends describe I, you. I appreciate that to a T. That's how my friends describe oh, you. Go ahead. That, to a T. That's how my friends described when they went to see you live here in Indianapolis. They were like, "It was it was this hilarious variety show <clears throat> where we got." Kind of two different kinds of stand up in one, and then we got musical comedy in the middle of it. So they kind of felt like they were seeing three different comedians, three different acts within one. I don't know if that's complimentary or not. Yeah, there's a little. No, that is. There's a little bit of uh, bipolarness in what I do. (laughs) Tripolar. I'm tripolar because I can balance on my unit. Yeah. Well, that's my favorite thing to do to watch and, and critique stand-up comedy. I just, I, you know, and I, I'll sometimes find myself not laughing because I'm like, oh, that's the perfect word. He used the perfect word. I wouldn't have used that word. That was so smart, you know, and just little things like that. And I can't wait to see you live. And I, when I talked about you're, you're still going, like, I just assume that there's something, you're just one of those people that can't stop moving. You're like a shark. You'll drown if you stop moving. Is that not true? I just assume so because you're so busy and That's true. Okay. I, w- I wake up in the morning feeling, unless I got a cold or something, feeling like I'm ready to go and feeling positive. Uh-huh. Even and then you know, if you turn on the news, that can that can clip your wings quick. But you know, but in the meantime, I really have a drive. I'm a workaholic. I was raised that way. I'm always working on different projects. There's a couple others that I'm out to go get set up to produce. But really, I mean, there's not a moment in a day that goes by that I don't put something in my iPhone note section that's a joke that ends up going in somewhere or a subject matter of something I'm really dying to talk about. And a lot of people use notepads or however you do it, but it just it's an ongoing thing with me, you know, or sometime I'll go that I have an idea for a song and then I'll start writing a song. So it's like. I'm always twirling like four plates at once, which uh, is a real bad metaphor because I'm doing it on my penis. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you're still at which it, man. Really, and, I, and actually, it, they're salad plates. It really ruins the middle course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Bob, I, man, I just can't thank you enough for hanging out. And it's definitely hanging out this long. It's super cool. You can catch Bob now at a stand-up show somewhere near you you can find it very easily he's very googleable you can check out his comedy schedule definitely get tickets if he comes near you definitely watch him on cmt's nashville squares he's the host there's nobody better for that it's on friday nights uh on cmt at 8 p.m 7 p.m central um i man I tell you what, this is this is a really and cool then a thing. The second one at eight thirty. We run we're running two back to back. Oh really? They can't get enough of me. Nice. <laughs> Let's go. Nice. Bob, this was a really cool thing to get to talk to you for this long. I hope one day we get next time you come through Indianapolis. Hopefully, we'll get to meet you in person. Um, you know that you're just you. It's nice to know Bob Saget is such a cool dude, right? Hell yeah! This is awesome. Uh, thanks, man. I'm going to meet you at Caroline Ray's apartment. <laughs> we'll figure this out. Sweet. I think she's summer soon in Maine. So, yeah, yeah, we'll sneak in there for sure. Hell yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Thanks so much. Hey, everybody give it up for Bob Saget. Yeah. Thanks, Bob. Bob, thanks, thanks so much. Guys. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for all being so cool. Dude. I told you. Do, you do we not love Bob Saget? The, the, the man. Best. The best. He's the man. He's Bob, done so much, too. I don't know if you'll ever listen to this, Bob. But if you do, just know, man, we appreciated you spending some time with us just hanging out like a regular-ass dude. You're the best. Bobo. Man, guy was a king of TGIF. The oh, America's king. funniest videos. The, the king. And so now he's else? got videos after dark. He's got Nashville Squares. He's still doing it. And he's coming to a comedy club near you. I guarantee it. Just go check out his schedule. He will come to your town or somewhere within a reasonable driving distance. Go see his show. The best part is he's that busy and was able to stay on 30 minutes extra than his schedule. He's just a good guy. Just to chat with him. Did not want to leave. We gave him an out at 20 minutes because we were told that's all the time he had. And he said, no, no, nay, nay, nay. You guys are all I have going on today. I'm not ready to go yet. And we loved every second 
of talking to him. So do us a favor. Hit him on social media. Let him know that he is a badass and you appreciate him being such a good-ass dude and hanging out with your boys here at Heartland Radio 2.0. It's a badass who takes no shit from nobody. From nobody. Before we get out of here, got a movie recommendation for you. Ford vs. Ferrari. It's in theaters right now. Excellent story about he's been a Mustang fan. Definitely a Carroll Shelby fan because of the Shelby Mustang. But this movie is really good. Christian Bell and Matt Damon delivered as always. And the stunts, the stunts in this movie are insane. We actually got to speak with the guy who coordinated the stunts for this film. And you know what? He sold it. He sold it. He's going to sell it for you. Listen. We watched some clips. Your people were nice enough to send us some links to some behind-the-scenes stuff from Ford versus mm-hmm. Ferrari. Pretty mind-blowing stuff. I mean, stunts have gone come a long way um, since back in the day, I assume, when you first started. Um, th- there was one, and I, I don't know if this is this isn't a spoiler, probably. People know that you aren't really always doing all these things, but they were launching a car from like uh, some kind of like rocket-powered platform. As if it hit and went on its side and got launched over some other cars during the race. How, what kind of setup is this? Like how, what's the budget just on your end for this stuff? Um, I, I, I mean, I couldn't tell you what it was for that particular shot. Um, and by the way, that particular crash was based off a real racing crash uh, that uh, our second unit director, Darren Prescott, um he had been invited out to do a like a celebrity race and uh, uh, for a Viper race by Dodge um, at Road America, and he's out there trundling around, going, "I don't even belong here. Um, what am I doing?" <laughs> <laughs> but um, this this crash transpired in front of him, and uh, the car uh, went wide on on coming off a very high speed corner, dropped the wheel, and the car hooked back across the track slammed into a concrete wall and just started cartwheeling. And wow. as he drove by it at speed, he thought for sure he just saw somebody die. Uh, it just completely obliterated this, this Viper. Um, but as a testament to, you know, modern engineering and technology, the guy walked away. Wow. Um, you can find it on YouTube. So we, we took that and, and added it into our actions as, you know, to make it look as precarious as possible. And we wanted the start of the race of Le Mans just to be as crazed as it could, as it could be. And it was. Um, Is that part of your job? I, I don't and I should ask. Were you the stunt coordinator on this film as well as driver? Okay. So is Absolutely, it part of your yeah. job to, to do the research and make sure that um, it's as authentic looking as possible, but also within safety standards? So my my job, so you know, James Mangold not being a car guy, uh, looked to me uh, and Darren to design this stuff, and so I wrote a story for each of the three races uh, to make them as dynamic and fun and realistic as possible, and they were all written from you know Ken Miles' perspective of how the race goes down, and uh, for the Lamar race in particular. There were some historical points that we wanted to keep in there to to be accurate, um, along with adding in you know a little uh, spice, if you will, uh, to kick it up a notch, and um, that's how we did it. And uh, you can see that they they all have a different feel to them, uh, with the Willow Springs race being more kind of like a street fight, uh, and then becoming more and more refined as we as we went along. Are there any actors you worked with that do? some of their own stunts and you have to help coordinate that? Well, I mean, look, you know, Christian did uh, some of the driving in this and we spent a lot of time uh, training. Oh, wow. Um, so when you see, when we see the GT 40 come screaming into the pits and he jumps out of the car, that's all him. And the same thing when he jumps in the car and lights the tires up and leaves the pits, that's all him. Um, I spent a week with him. I took him out to Bob Bondurant's uh, school um, and there were two reasons for it. One, it's a great training facility that's you know, designed specifically for training. Um, and so I just kind of shadowed the instructor and worked one-on-one with Christian and guided the training uh, as I needed. Um, but my other hope was that he would be able to meet Bob Bondurant, uh, who you know, was a big part of that era. 
and uh, at least be able to talk to him. And what it turned into was us training from 7 in the morning till 2 p.m. every day for a week. And then we would sit down for the next four to five hours and just talk with Bob Bondurant. And it was absolutely amazing. And the surprise that I didn't know was that Bob and Ken Miles were very close friends. So you can imagine the insight that was was mm-hmm. you know gotten by, by Christian yeah. from that. Wow! I tell you what, I love to hear stories like that. We're big movie guys, mm-hmm. and I love to hear stories about <laughs> actors like Christian Bell and Robert De Niro. These different people that really like sink themselves into their role yeah. and take it on. I understand Tom yeah. Cruise somewhat that, that way. Phenomenal movie. Go um, see it. Mm-hmm. Enough said. We're out.